Let's go to the Gospel of John. So just find the book of John. And uh, I want to kind of follow up a little bit from last week. Last week we spoke on Romans chapter 8, verse 14. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And I shared with you that every conversation the Holy Spirit has is a mature conversation. Everything He speaks to you is mature. And the reason is, is because He's treating you as sons. God doesn't speak, the Spirit doesn't speak to servants. The law speaks to servants. Okay? Servants go and read the rules. But sons are led by the Spirit. So God is treating you as sons whenever He speaks to you. He's saying, you're my son. So He speaks to you. And so Romans chapter 8 verse 14 is kind of where we got with it. But I wanted to just go on because a lot of people came and, and they were said, can you just teach us some more about being led by the Spirit and, and hearing God's voice? So I want to just carry on with that a little bit. Is that okay? Now, it's really interesting that while you're in the Gospel of John, um, you can turn to John chapter 10. And then I want to just quickly take you through the book of Jeremiah. I believe it's Jeremiah 23. It was a Jeremiah 24. And in Jeremiah 23, God, through the prophet Jeremiah, prophesies and speaks against the pastors in Israel. Now, the word pastor means shepherd. And he's talking specifically about the spiritual leaders in Israel and Judah. And God is speaking against them. And the issue that he has with the pastors, with the shepherds, is that they're not taking care of the sheep. And so the whole thing that they were doing were that they were fleecing the sheep. They were eating the sheep. You know, they were milking the sheep. They were doing everything that was not good as far as the sheep were concerned. And so God was saying, instead of taking care of them, you're taking advantage of the sheep. And I mean, we see a lot of that today. And so you're taking advantage of the sheep. And so God speaks against the shepherds. He says, you're scattering the sheep. You're not gathering. You're not caring for them. And then over in Ezekiel 34, the same thing. God speaks against the shepherds. God has an issue with the shepherds. And more or less, the prophet Ezekiel's ministry, he more or less repeats the issue that he has with the shepherds, with the leaders. And he's saying, you're taking advantage. You're plundering the sheep. You're not caring for the sheep. You're not tending the sheep. You're not binding up their wounds. You're not looking after them. You're not leading them into pastures. You're eating them, and you're plundering them. And so God had a tremendous issue, and he comes and he speaks about striking them with a curse and doing the same things to them that they're doing to the people. So how many of you know that whatever you sow, you reap? How many of you know leadership has got a greater responsibility? And James tells us, if you want to be an elder, you're presuming a good thing. But understand, you come under stricter judgment, stricter assessment. And so leadership is a really, really important thing. And so in both Jeremiah 23 and in Ezekiel 34, God says, a day is coming through these prophets. Now, you've got to understand, this was hundreds of years before Jesus. That both of them prophesy, God is going to raise up a shepherd like King David. Both of them prophesy the same thing. Because David was not only a shepherd boy, and he knew how to tend sheep, but he carried all the lessons of shepherding over into his kingship. And he was able to look after the people of Israel 
Israel, with its combination of Judah before it split after he died, but the United Nation, the 12 tribes of Israel, was the most successful, the most prosperous, and at its greatest, it was a world superpower. It was the wealthiest nation on earth under the leadership of King David because he was a man after God's own heart. And he was able to lead. He was able to shepherd the people. And so it was an extremely prosperous, blessed time. And so the prophets say, there's coming a shepherd, and he's going to be like David. He's going to be a king. And there was a double up because they also talk about a branch budding forth. And we know how many times that a branch out of the root of Jesse was prophesied. And so the prophecies were really, really, really accurate. Now, it's really interesting that if we go to Zechariah, in fact, if we go to Ezekiel 34, and we just have a look at a couple of verses there. I know that you're in John 10, but you can put your finger there and flip the pages. But in verse 26 of Ezekiel 34, this is the prophecy that Ezekiel makes. And he says in verse 24, And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David, a prince among them, I, the Lord, have spoken it. I will make them a covenant of peace, will cause evil beasts to cease out of the land, and they shall dwell safely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. Now listen to this. He's prophesying. He's speaking about Israel or Judah. He's speaking about his people. And he says, and I will make them and the places around my hill, which is Jerusalem, a blessing. I will make it a blessing. In other words, no longer will it be a place plundered. No longer will these people be plundered. There's going to be blessing. Is that okay? And listen to this, and I will cause the shower to come down in his season. There shall be showers of blessing. Everybody say showers of blessing. Now, when will this happen? When the shepherd comes who's going to be like David. Is that good? So when the shepherd comes who's like David, there's going to be showers showers of blessing all around the holy hill. But if we go on to verse 27, we'll see that he elaborates, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit, the earth shall yield their increase, they shall be safe in their land, and they shall know that I am the Lord when I have broken the bands of the yoke and delivered them out of the hand of those who have served themselves of them. In other words, those who took advantage of you and served themselves of you, there's going to be such blessing that they who serve themselves of you will know that I am God, And number one. And secondly, inferred in it is they will know that you are of God because of God taking care of you. There's going to be showers, showers of blessing. In other words, he was prophesying about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So we can't go into it because it's too long and too much, and it's not the point of the teaching this morning. But he was talking about the showers, the showers, the water coming, the floods upon the earth, which was prophesied all the way through Isaiah. He talked about showers and pools and desert places becoming flooded out places, um, desert places becoming, you know, blossoming forests and so on and so forth. So the showers of blessing will cause such fruitfulness and such blessing. Man, this is really good. Amen. So now if we go to Zechariah chapter 11. So remember Jeremiah 23, Ezekiel 34, and then we can go to Zechariah, no, no, not 11, Zechariah chapter 10. And um, Zechariah prophesies this. He said, ask ye of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. 
Now, I want you to understand the former reign was the reign of God, was the outpouring of the Spirit during the Old Testament times. So, but he talked about, you know, latter rain, talked about some rain that was still coming, rain that would ripen the harvest, you know. And so that was the New Testament time in particular. And he says, so ask ye of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain, so that the Lord shall make bright clouds. And bright clouds there means the rain type of clouds. It means those thunder clouds, the lightning clouds, okay? And he says, so you need to ask God who sends the clouds and puts the lightnings in it and causes it to rain. So ask ye the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain, because he will then give showers of rain to everyone, grass in the field. In other words, it will be fruitfulness. Now listen to this, listen to this. For the idols have spoken. Everybody say spoken. So idols have spoken. Idols have spoken. Vanity. Vain things. In other words, they make empty promises. And the diviners have seen a lie. You know, those fortune tellers. You know, those soothsayers. In other words, everyone who is not God has spoken. But it's vanity and it's lies. And then he continues, and have told false dreams, they comfort in vain, therefore they went their way as a flock, they were troubled because there was no shepherd. Now he has, he's talking about his people and saying they just headed off and wandered in their own way because they were confused and they were troubled, but because they didn't have a shepherd. So can you see that three of the major prophets in the Old Testament, prophesied to the people of God and said, the day is coming when I will send you a true shepherd and he will be like David. And at the same time that he comes, there's going to be rain. So it's going to be in the time of rain. So when the shepherd comes, I want you to know it's going to rain. And it's going to rain the Spirit. Okay? So in the time of rain, he's going to send the shepherd. When the shepherd comes, the people will not be troubled. Zechariah 11. The people will not be confused and going their own way. When the shepherd comes, something's going to happen. When the shepherd comes, they will not be taken advantage of. They will not be plundered. When the shepherd comes, they will not be devoured because when he comes, he will be a true shepherd. He will shepherd you like David. Good. Does that give you a good background? So now we start looking forward to the shepherd. But you, because you're so well taught and so clever, you already know. So John chapter 10, and in verse 1, Jesus says this, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold. So guess what he's talking about? Sheep and shepherds. Is that okay? But climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and robber. Now, I need to just remind you is that what Jesus was saying, he is saying that there is an entry into the sheepfold. There's a legitimate route to come to enter the sheepfold. There's a right way of coming into the sheepfold. And so we'll just carry on reading a little bit, and I'll explain that a bit more. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Okay, so the sheep will climb it up some other way, the same as a thief and robber. So if you don't come through the door, you're a thief and robber. But he that entereth in by the door 
is the shepherd of the sheep. Now remember when Pastor Rufus was here, he spoke about it. The legitimate way for someone to come and enter the sheepfold is that, first of all, they need to be born of a woman. Now, how many of you know that the devil was not born of a woman? Therefore, he does not have legitimate authority to come into the sheepfold. He's one that climbs in by some other way. So like Pastor Rufus says, why do we even listen to someone who comes illegitimately, who hasn't come the legitimate route born of a woman? So in other words, it has to be a man. It has to be a person for them to be legitimate. But then also, they have to be called and ordained of God. And we know that Jesus was and still is. So he was appointed by God. So to him, the doorkeeper of the sheep end will open to him and say, let him in. You can come in amongst the sheep. Good. So now what we got to take out of this church is that we should not give any consideration to the voice of anything else because it's illegal, illegitimate. It's a thief and a robber. It will lie. It will steal your peace. Those voices come to plunder you. That's why he goes on later to say, the thief comes only but to steal, to kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I came legitimately through the door, and I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. Great. So is everybody good with that? Then he goes on to say, verse 3, to him the porter openeth, listen to this, and the sheep hear his voice. The sheep hear his voice. And only his sheep. Jeremiah 23, Ezekiel 34. God speaks two things. He not only speaks against the shepherds who plunder the sheep, but then he says, oh, and by the way, I'm also going to come and make a distinction between the sheep and the goats. The goats who wheel the way in and butt the sheep. And the cattle who come in and shoulder the sheep out of the way to get to the food. I will make a distinction between the sheep and the goats, the sheep and the cattle. I'll make a distinction between the sheep and the shepherds because I love my sheep. Now, it was really interesting. I was studying this yesterday, and this morning I had a parable right in front of me, a parable. I had a parable. So I was eating my bone broth, and uh, in my bone broth, these little bits of meat, and the dogs have discovered the bone broth, and they really, really love the bone broth. So when I have my bone broth in the morning, I've got undivided attention from four little creatures. And they all look at me like this. So what I do is if I get a little chunk of meat in the one, then I just suck the bone broth out, and I put the little meat down, and the one little... You know, Yorkie eats it, and so on and so forth. And uh, then we've got one Jack Russell, but he looks like a Jack Russell on steroids. He's, uh, he's got a little bit of something in him. I don't know what it is. But he was kind of, you know, laying, warming himself somewhere. And, and then he saw me putting the one down, and he saw me putting the other down. The other Jack Russell was quietly waiting its turn. And his name was Wallace, William the Wallace. You know, like Wallace. So Wallace runs right in between the two of them, 
with his shoulders and just shoulders the one right out of the way so he can get his piece of meat. And I'm thinking, you are prophesying, dog. <laughs> Jeremiah and Ezekiel's prophecy just shouldered him out the way so he could get some meat. So anyway, that's just a funny story, but cute. But they all got meat. But basically, God is saying, those that shoulder the, the sheep out of the way, I'll make a distinction. Sheep and goats. Sheep and cattle. Sheep and shepherds. Isn't it awesome to know that he loves you so much? And so right the way through, it's interesting that he takes a shepherd and makes him king. Because a shepherd knows how to look after people. It's really interesting. Moses was a shepherd. And he got Moses to lead the people out. It's interesting that God spoke to Moses and David in shepherding language. And so when... God spoke to Moses and um, told him about the people of Israel's plight. He spoke to him in shepherd language. Because very often what a shepherd would do when his sheep were grazing in a field, he would walk up onto a hillside not too far away so that he could just have a bit more of an aerial view of the sheep to watch out for wolves and bears and lions and all kinds of predators. And so God said to Moses, I have seen the misery of my people. I've heard their cry. Now I have come down to help my people. More or less the same to David. So listen, God was, if you could say, in an exalted position in heaven. And he saw our misery. He heard our cry. And he came down to rescue us. Powerful. And so it was David who wrote, The Lord is my shepherd. In Psalm 100 he says, we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. So God watches over us, and he loves us not to take advantage of us. Um, and though we're sons, it is a, a very real way in which we are his sheep. Yeah. Now, sheep are peculiar. A lot of negative things are said about sheep, about how stupid they are and all this kind of thing. But a shepherd doesn't see sheep as stupid. A shepherd loves sheep. Yeah. It's only people who don't understand sheep that say that sheep are stupid. But one thing about sheep is they're creatures of routine. And they will go the same path until it's a furrow. They'll go to the same field until it's eaten. They'll go to the same water hole until it's finished and soiled, you know, by mud and all kinds of things because they've drunk. And so, so yes, sheep need leadership. Sheep need a shepherd. Sheep flourish when they have a shepherd. So in John chapter 10, Jesus is standing talking against the backdrop of Jeremiah and Ezekiel and a whole lot of the Old Testament. And he stands and says, I am the good shepherd. And the Pharisees knew exactly what he was speaking about. So to him the porter openeth, listen to this, verse 3, and the sheep hear his voice. I'm enjoying myself too much. I shouldn't be. I should be teaching. And he calleth his own sheep by name and leadeth them out. He calls his sheep by name. I, I don't know about you, but I find that a very comforting verse because it tells me that he knows my name. And there's many times he's spoken to me. He says, John. If he says, John, a boy, I know I'm in trouble. If he says, Pastor John, I know I'm in serious trouble. I'm teasing. But he knows our name. The thing is, 
it says this in verse 4, And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep followeth him. Why? For they know his voice. Listen to this. A stranger they will not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. Can I throw this thing in here? Can I throw it in? It's there. It's in your Bible. You don't know the voice of the devil. You can't hear the voice of the devil. Okay, so then what voice am I hearing? Go, mm. so We don't know the voice of the devil. You don't know. You don't recognize it. So we'll talk about, if we get time, the other voices. It'll be your mind that you're hearing. Your mind, not the devil. You don't hear the devil. So we can't say, the devil made me and the devil lied. We don't know his voice. Is that okay? Are you getting something so far? Good. And he continues and he says, a stranger, they will not follow. Verse 8, all that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. The thief cometh not, but verse 10, but for to steal, kill, and destroy. I am come that they might have life, and they might have it more abundantly. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. Verse 16, and other sheep I have, other than the Jews, the Gentiles, that's us, which are not of this fold. Them I also must bring, and they shall hear my voice. And there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Woohoo! Not Christians and Jews. Not Israel and the rest of the world. One fold, one shepherd. So how will the Jews, not because of their covenants, but because they come to accept Jesus. And there shall be one fold, one shepherd. Listen to this. Verse 26, but ye believe not because ye are not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice. Verse 27, and I know them and they follow me. Have you all got it? Is that his sheep know his voice. So the big thing now is that I need to ask you is do you know his voice? Jesus said this in chapter 10. If you read it, he said the shepherds that run away because wolves come are hirelings. I want you to understand that I am not the true shepherd. He is the true shepherd. I am not your shepherd in the sense of, you know, he is your shepherd. I am an under shepherd. In that sense, I'm a hireling shepherd. And all true shepherds, a true hireling shepherds will have the same heart as the shepherd. Will care for the sheep the same way he cares for the sheep will have the same concerns about the sheep that he has because he's the chief shepherd. And that's what Peter says, and when the chief shepherd shall appear. And so we will give an account to the chief shepherd for how we've handled his sheep. Is that okay? So you are not my sheep in the direct sense. In an indirect sense, you are my sheep because you are my responsibility. So in other words, my concerns for you must be the same as Jesus' concerns for you. So if I'm a true shepherd, then this is the thing that I need to make sure that you understand. And that is this, that you know His voice. His voice. You've got to know His voice. The interesting thing about the word voice over here, about the sheep knowing His voice, it means a shining forth. In other words, 
God's voice goes forth, or Jesus' voice goes forth. It's a shining forth like light. It's a tone. It's a sound. It comes from the Greek word phone, and it sounds just like telephone to glory. Jesus on the line. Phonetics, phone. So it sounds just like that. So it comes from phone because it means a shining forth. It means a tone, a sound. Phone means only a sound that a living being can make to communicate. A living being who communicates. That's the Greek. Okay, now we're going to get into the, to the actual. Into the actual. So it's the living being who communicates. So God speaks. God has got a voice. God has a tone to his voice. There is a sound. His voice is going out. And that's why in Matthew 4, Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that is proceeding out of the mouth of God. So just a couple of things that I want to um, just bring to you now very quickly is on hearing the voice of God. The biggest thing concerning hearing the voice of God is investment. Now I'm just going to slow down a little bit and just talk about this. We really do live in an instant age. We want God to move, and we want Him to move now. We come to church with watches on, and we watch the time of the service. If God's going to do anything, He's going to do it in the time that I give Him. Should I carry on a little bit with this? We kind of give God a timetable in which to work. So we want revival, but He needs to do it Lord, if you can finish it by 11, that would be really great. We can have revival. If it goes past then, oh my goodness me. But then, you know, same people, when they leave, go like, oh, well, it was boring this morning. Well, what about investing? What about making time, taking time for God? One of the things that I've learned about God is He's never rushed. So if we come with a program, rush, rush, and God must show up, we, we're going to come in. And that's how we move from relational to mechanical. We rush in, we're going to just do this thing. Okay, do, do, do. okay. God, I've, I've done the three songs, fast songs and the two slow. Show up. You know, where's the revival? You know, where's the move of the Spirit? God doesn't respond to those kind of things. God is highly relational. That's implicated in His voice. So how much time are you investing in a relationship with your shepherd to know his voice. And so the very first and the biggest key in recognizing and knowing the voice of God, person who asked me the most about the voice of God, I said, I will carry on explaining it this week. Now they want a private session with me and I must go through it again and they're not here today. Because we're not prepared to invest. So you've got to take time to invest. And so there is a thing called being still. Be still. And I mean, this is a whole message in itself. Psalm 46 verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. And there's many verses. Hebrews 12 verse 25. See that you do not refuse him who speaks. God is a speaking God. And so we can do Colossians as well. Let the peace of God rule and reign in your hearts. There's many verses that we can have a look at. It's very interesting that in 1 Kings 19 verse 12, when the prophet 
Elijah went to the cave and first came the storm and the earthquake and all kinds of manifestations came. And God wasn't in any of the loudness. But then there came a still, small voice. God is not going to compete for your attention. Number one. Write that down because that's a good one. God is not going to compete with you for your attention. It's not. Either he's Lord and he's worth the attention, but he's not going to fight. So if you will give your attention to anything else and everything else, he will let you. He is that great gentleman. So you can give your attention. To hear God takes an investment. And say, okay, Lord, here I am. You have, you have my attention. I'm listening. So learning how to be still. Part of learning how to be still, you know, obviously it implies giving it time. You invest time to get still, to get quiet, to listen, to be still, to be quiet, to invest time. That's why they called it, you need to have a quiet time every day. It doesn't mean to say that you don't speak, you don't do anything, you don't praise. It doesn't mean any of that. But what it does mean is that you take a bit of time to be quiet, to listen for his voice. The prophets, the seers, every mature believer knows how to do it. You need to learn how to be quiet. So that investment, that stillness, that quietness, that time taken, but then the turning your attention to God. And part of the stilling of your heart is to really still the heart from all the things that clamor for your attention. You can't go in to hear God flustered, anxious, planning your week out. What am I going to do next? Because God just says, give attention to that. When you finish giving attention to that, can I have your attention? Then I'll speak. Amen? Are you all learning? Are you, are you getting something? There has to be that investment. There's got to be. Now, it doesn't mean to say that every time I want to hear God, I've got to go and shut myself away and lock myself up. But that, as a discipline, is something you can carry over into the busyness of life. Whereby, in the busyness of life, you can learn how to step back on the inside and quieten everything down if you need to hear from God. Is that okay? So it's learning how to be still on the inside. And sometimes you've got to practice stilling everything around you, getting out of the hubbub, getting somewhere where it's quiet, where you can teach yourself how to still yourself on the inside and put yourself at peace so that you're not hearing, you know, the anxieties of your own voice, the busyness of your own voice, because you're not hearing the devil. Is that okay? No, you're hearing, you know, your own mind wheel spinning and having to process so many things. And if you can learn to still that and quieten that and say, okay, God, I'm just quietening those and I'm listening. I'm learning how to be still. Amen? Even when maybe you're called up to pray for people in the prayer line, you take hands with a person in the prayer line. You've got to learn how to quieten yourself down on the inside and say, okay, God, what are you saying? Because what he's saying to this person is not what he's saying to this person. And so it's just being quiet, stilling yourself on the inside 
and allowing God to speak. So we're going to come on to that now. But this whole thing about being still, being quiet, is an incredible thing. Still the heart. You can't hear from God if you're in panic mode. If you can quieten the panic, you can hear Him. If you can quieten the storm, you can hear Him. If you can quieten the busyness, you can hear Him. Quieten it. Quieten it. Quieten it. I'm doing this on purpose because I'm trying to teach you how to quiet your mind. You've got to learn how to quieten your heart. There's so many verses that we could do, but it would take too long. If you can quieten, quieten everything, quieten, you can start to hear God. So Habakkuk chapter 2, you can write it down. Um, I, th I think it might be verse 4, whoever's on projection. But in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1, the um, prophet Habakkuk is waiting for an answer from God. He really needs to hear from God. There's a national crisis. It says, I will station myself on the ramparts and I will look to see what he will say to me. And so Habakkuk knew that you have to position yourself in order to hear God. And so when he was waiting on God for the answer, he knew, I'm going to go up onto the wall because that was like the quiet place of the watchman, the prophets. They would go and look and see. The prophet Habakkuk knew, if I want to hear God, I need to put myself somewhere, and I need to put myself in a place internally, in a place where I can hear God. So he says, I will stand upon my watch. Set me upon the tower, and I will watch to see what he will say to me, and what I shall answer when I'm reproved. Hearing God. Number one, you have to learn how to get quiet on the inside. Quiet. 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 Quiet on the inside. Quiet. Still. Shh. Then you can hear. You all got it? That was a good exercise. First thing is how to be still. First thing, number one. Be still. But then as it actually comes to hearing... We need to learn how to go to His Word. I'm going to say it. It's amazing how everybody wants a prophecy. And I love prophecy. I'm a prophet. I like to prophesy. I mean, it was awesome the other Sunday morning when the guy was standing and I had this word from him about prophecies coming to pass that were beginning to happen in his life. And as I'm prophesying, I just see his Bible, which was on the seat next to him. I just see it open. And on the clean pages, I see the prophecy written out with the date on it. Oh, it's so awesome. I mean, I love that kind of thing. Isn't it? It's awesome. But a lot, of, a lot of Christians are too lazy to read the Bible. So they transfer the responsibility onto a prophet or a prophetic person. You can't do that, church. Amen. Number one is his word. Is his word. Is that okay? Tell somebody next to you, read the Bible. Read his word. Okay. It's very, very important for you to read the word because anything a prophet says has got to be judged and weighed according to the word. Is that okay? 
And so it's, but it's, it's awesome. It's spectacular. It's nice when it's like, you there, and da 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 da, woo, you know, and you didn't even know me. It's like, this is amazing, and I'm not belittling it. It's awesome. But listen, that must only be, you know, um, complementary to the word. The word must be the main thing. Is that okay? You should get more excited when God speaks to you out of the word. Because that's his number one principal way of speaking to you. You can hear God's voice in the written pages of your Bible. There's a tone. There's a sound. There's an utterance of an intelligent being speaking out to you. There's a shining forth out of the word. And so the number one is his word. Do you know how God called me into the ministry? I went to the toilet so God could speak to me. I went to a quiet place because I was sitting at work behind my desk and I had so many things that I had a process concerning it. And I, I remember, and the prophecies were coming and whatever. My pastor was speaking. And the one morning I went to work and I just said, Lord, I need to hear from you. So I got up, I walked out of the drawing room, down the passage, went to the toilet, sat on the toilet, closed the cubicle door. And I said, okay, now Lord, now you need to speak to me. And as clear as anything, he said, seek ye first the kingdom. And all his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. Matthew 6.33. He spoke to me out of the word. One line, one verse out of the word. The word is the main way. There is volumes of God's language in the Bible. I don't know how else to say it. But there's volumes of, of language in the Bible. There's volumes of sentences that if we read, God can just quicken a verse to you and he can speak to you. Now, how many of you know that even that we weigh, but still it's the principal way in which God speaks is by his word. Is that good? And so I remember one time um, I was about to go to England and I was really apprehensive. I was going England and Ireland. And in Ireland, I was going to all those places where they shoot each other and blow each other up. You know that place. I don't know why, but the Lord takes me to all the really nice places. Armenia, Egypt, Nigeria, you know. And uh, there's Prophet Andre going to America, Switzerland, all the nice places. You know, Singapore, you know, Dubai. And I'm going, Jesus, he sounds more like a tourist than a prophet, you know. Yeah. I've said to him, you don't suffer for the gospel at all. You go to the nice places. You should come where I go, you know. And then the Lord tells me to wear a rosary and a crucifix as well. Oh, my word. And we stop in Bahrain, you know. And, and I want to hide it. And the Lord says, don't hide it. I told you to wear it. I'm going, oh, Jesus, are you sure? You know, these people here yeah, kill Christians, you know. And uh, so I did a lot of fun things. And then we go to Armenia, and the believers there are desperate, and they ask us to smuggle in Christian material. Oh, Jesus. I mean, I know exactly how Brother Andrew felt, you know. And you know, we've got suitcases full of stuff. And if they find Christian stuff, they arrest you because they also used to be part of the, the Soviet Union. And yeah, we're going in with stuff, and they're going like, what's in there? Oh, Jesus, forgive me, but I have to lie. Oh, forgive me, Jesus. Because, yeah, if I tell the truth, I'm going to jail. And probably nobody will know where I am, you know. Oh, Jesus, you know. Oh. So I, I know that fear. I know that fear, you know. And you're walking along with your suitcase, and you're trying to be as inconspicuous as anything, you know. But they can see you're a foreigner, you know. So you stand out, you know, going with the, the hard shell case, and it's full of videos and DVDs and books and all sorts of things, all Christian stuff, so they can translate it into Armenian and distribute it through Armenia. You know, this was the prelude to the revival that broke out there, you know. And then it goes like, you, open the suitcase. Oh, Jesus, you know. 
I asked you. I want to not be seen, you know. And uh, there's Pastor Donnie is with me, and he's Sue on the other side, and he's looking at me all terrified. And the guy's telling me, open your suitcase. I'm going, Jesus, help me. And I just start slowly going like, okay, now is the time for the miracle. Now. And I'm zipping it. And I know I'm going to open it. It's just going to be DVDs, videos, and all Christian material. And I mean, and the thing that is racing through my mind is what Brother Andrew said the one time. Lord, you made blind eyes see. Now make seeing eyes blind. I'm praying all those. Jesus, do you love Brother Andrew more than me? You know? Oh, Jesus, you know? And then there's another lady coming up behind me, and she was quite glamorous and all the makeup, and the, and the, the immigration officer took a shine to her, you know, sort of chatting her up. And I'm standing, but I didn't unzip the bag. I'm like, Zzz. and I saw her chatting, and, I was, <laughs> and I'm waiting. And then the inspection officer comes around, and he's shouting at this guy, and I could understand what he's saying. What is this guy doing here, you know? And, you know, hurry up, and, you know, and he was chatting up. You can see he was completely taken up by this pretty lady. Thank you, Jesus, for pretty ladies. Thank you, Jesus. It was a distraction to him. And then he just shouted something like, and I was like, thank you, bless you. And we were gone, you know? That terror on the inside. And in, some, in a situation like that, just teaching yourself, calm yourself so that you can hear from God still. So what was I talking about? The voice in the word. His voice in His Word. The Word is powerful. The Word is full of things. So, number one, about the Bible. The Word is spirit and life. John chapter 6. The Word is spirit and life. There's a spirit in this. The spirit accompanies this. So the more I read this, not only can He take the text out, not only can you remind me of sentences that I've read, but there's a spirit in this. The words that I speak are spirit and life, and that's twofold. The first, the more of the word I have, the more of the spirit I have. John chapter 3. The second is, the more of the spirit I, I have, the more I'm able to hear. Everybody, is it making sense? So the more I read this word, the more of the spirit. Not just the letter, not just the text, not just lines, not just verses. It's spirit on the inside of me. And God is able to lift words. So Psalm 41.10, I was about to go to Ireland. That's where I got to. I'm not Psalm, Isaiah. And, um, and I, w I was going right into that, those places where Protestants and Catholics kill each other and all kinds of things. And I was standing here next to Bev. And I kid you not, this thing that happened to me. We were standing in worship, and when we were in worship, I was meditating on the trip. And I just, you know, there are times when a trip would be particularly anointed, and you would just have an impression that there's going to be resistance, you know, because there is a real enemy. And I was standing next to Bev, and I had my hands like this. And I literally felt a hand take my arm like this. I mean, I could feel it on my arm. So I thought, oh, that's sweet. Babe's holding up my arm, you know. So I'm standing like this, and I can feel this hand holding my arm. And I'm thinking, that's, oh, that's really awesome. So I don't want to pull my hand down because it's like me saying to her, I don't want you to hold my arm. So I just stood there with my arm up. 
And, and it was awesome. This peace was coming in me. This power was coming to me. And I was thinking, yeah, Bill's really anointed, you know. This is amazing. So I'm standing like this. And then I, I looked sideways to give her a nice, you know, like, oh, thanks, my darling. And she's not even anywhere near me. I'm going like, hey. <laughs> she's far away. So I'm going like, wow, wow, this is really weird. This is amazing. So I take one step forward. And I take one step to the right, and I put my arms up, and I carry on worshiping. And there it is again. I feel this hand. I, I feel this hand holding my arm. And I said, Lord, is this you holding me up? I said, it would mean that I'm standing on, like, you're on my left-hand side. This, I promise you this is what I'm thinking. I said, Lord, means you're standing on my left-hand side. He said, that's right. Because I'm upholding you with my righteous right hand. So don't be dismayed. And that entire trip, people would prophesy that very verse to me. This is what the Lord says. And they would quote Isaiah 41 verse 10 and prophesy. I walked into a place right there where they do the orange marches and all of those kind of things. To go and visit and encourage people who were writing a Christian magazine. And when I walked in the door, the guy burst into tears and tears started running down his face, and he said, I've never seen this before. As I walked in, I've never seen it before. I, there's an angel, and, and he's got his arms and his wings wrapped around you to protect you. Just never, we never met, never seen each other. He sat, he was weeping. I mean, it was literally snot and tears, sobbing behind his desk. I said, I, you walked in, I just saw this angel with his wings and his arms around you. Because I was in a dangerous place, you know? God's voice. God's voice. There's a spirit in his word that the more of the word you have, the more of the spirit, the easier it is to you. There's a spirit in his word. Spirit in his word. You just read. You read the word and you find I can hear God. A practical way very often in which I find that God speaks out of his word is that as you're reading a verse, it's like one verse just starts to glow. <laughs> one verse goes, whoop. You know, one verse goes, linger longer. One verse reaches up and grabs you by the scruff of your neck and says, read me again. You know that? It calls for attention. It says, just, just re it's quickened to you. It becomes more alive than any verse before or after. It just jumps out. And that verse becomes a reality to you. You know, in the old days, they used to try and explain it as the rhema word and a logos word. You know, or the Logos word is the full word, but when God quickens a word, it becomes a rhema word, a spoken individual word. And there's some truth in that. And so it's just a quickened word, and it becomes yours. It's your word. Is that okay? And so there's so many ways that God can speak to us through his word, spirit and life. Have I said enough about this? Okay. But the next way, there's a big difference between knowledge and wisdom. Big difference. Yeah, wisdom is the application of knowledge. Are you all listening? I'm trying to be a good shepherd, a good hireling. Because I know what's on his heart. His heart is that you know him and you know his voice because he knows you. He wants you to know his voice. Knowing his voice will change everything. Knowing his voice will keep you from being plundered. Knowing his voice will lead you on into green pastures. Knowing his voice 
leads to intimacy with the shepherd, knowing the tone and the sound of his voice. And so in the word, there's a body of wisdom. Come on, you've never heard this taught before. This is good. This is fresh. Okay. There's a body of wisdom in the word. There's a whole body of wisdom. It's a body of wisdom. And one of the things, and I've got to go back to the invest thing. You need to invest yourself in reading this word because not only are you gaining information and knowledge, you are acquiring and accumulating wisdom. And wisdom is an incredible thing. Every culture, every people group have got what they classify as wisdom. There's Chinese wisdom, there's African wisdom, there's European wisdom. And some of it is very much similar to the Word of God, but ultimate wisdom is the Word, is the Bible. And so you will discover wisdom will come out of it. For example, somebody starts to really, really mistreat you and speak badly of you and things like this. But you've been able to extricate a body of wisdom out of the Word. And that body of wisdom says, bless those who curse you. Don't speak evil of those who speak evil of you. No, rather do good to those that do evil. And in so doing, you're heaping burning coals on their own heads. Do not curse. There's a body of wisdom that comes out, which you apply to life. And you find things have a way of working out better than if you took the law into your own hands and respond. There's a body of wisdom. If you apply wisdom to your life, which you've got out of the word, you've just heard his voice. You've applied his voice to your life. So the word, the word, the word. I don't think I'm going to go too much further because of time's sake. There's more that I want to say. But I want to just, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. The primary way in which God speaks is by his word. We need to take time to invest in his word. Learn how to be still. But before that, we need to be able to go to his word and read his word. Study his word. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It's really interesting how God will just speak out of his word, quicken his word, remind you of his word. It's amazing how a body of wisdom will come out of the word. And um, those who have the words of God, they are the ones who have the spirit without measure. The more of the word you have, the more, the greater measure you have of the Spirit of God because His words are spirit and life. The great thing is that, is that the word is God's final authority. The word is God's final say on the matter. And so the interesting thing about the word is that it forms boundaries for all hearing. In other words, if it contradicts this, it doesn't matter if an angel said it, it's out. It doesn't matter how great the prophet is. If they said it and it contradicts this, it's out. You don't do it if it goes against this. But there's a spirit of the word. Because not everything has got a verse and a chapter for it. God hasn't got a chapter and verse for who you marry. God hasn't got a chapter and verse for what job you take. God hasn't got a chapter and a verse for those. But there is a spirit in that word. Is that okay? So if a drug dealer offers you a very good job with a high-ranking position to sell his product, you know according to the word, though the money is good, and how attractive it is, that job is not for you. 
Because that's an extreme example. But you understand it's against the word. Is that okay? So if it's clearly against the word, you don't do it. It doesn't matter how good you feel inside. It doesn't matter how powerful the witness is inside of you. You just go, no. Is that okay? I don't do it. Because it's against the word. So the word must have priority. The word is your safeguard. If you don't have the word in place, you're going to hear all kinds of crazy things. So the word. So we honor his word above everything else. Right, did you get something? That's, a, that's part one. So next week, part two about hearing the voice of God. Now next week, if you're here, I want you to try and bring pad and pen with you. Because you're going to hear God and you're going to write it down. And you're going to hear God speaking. I'm going to talk to you about the tone of his voice. How God speaks. Is that going to be good? Amen. So let's just bow our heads and pray. Father, we want to thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that your word is primacy. I pray for this church as their shepherd under the chief shepherd, Jesus. I pray that we as a church will love your word. I pray that we as a church will not look for shortcuts. We will not relegate responsibility to a ministry. But Father, we'll be like noble Bereans. We'll get into your word. We'll take time. We'll invest. We'll invest time to hear from you. We will learn to discern your voice, to know your voice. We'll take time to learn, to listen, and to hear your voice. Father, I thank you for it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You know, sometimes one of the ways that the Lord speaks to me is, is by association. And there are times, remember um, the young couple, the wedding ring, when she lost her wedding ring. And um, I was standing there, and then the Lord says to me, this morning feels to me like that morning when, when you prophesied about a lady's wedding ring being stolen and stuff like this, and, and I restored a wedding ring to her. And I said, yeah, Lord. So I said, that was an awesome morning. And then I twigged what the Lord was saying. By association, remember that? Lady lost a wedding ring. So there's someone here who's lost a wedding ring. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm a bit slow, Lord. <laughs> and I realized then, and that's when I called it. Remember, Janae had lost her wedding ring. And I said, you're going to find it. And I knew she had lost it and she was going to find it. I said, it's going to be. And I said, I'm the first phone call. I'm the first whatever when you find it. And it was in a pair of sort of long pants that she wears regularly that had been through the wash and the ironing quite a few times and she was just standing in the kitchen that day and go like you know oh, you know lord where's this they turned the house upside down they'd gone through everything they checked to make sure there was been no break-ins and she put her hand in her pocket and here's a wedding ring in her pocket going like oh my goodness so she put it on took a photo and whatsapped it to me and the ring was restored now i think it's a little bit more supernatural than that you know, I kind of think the angels went out looking because they had to fulfill the prophetic word, you know. And it's like, okay, where should we put it? Oh, I know. Let's put it there. <laughs> and so it was restored. So, no, son, listen. This is, as I closed in prayer, I had a word by association. Um, some years ago, as we were closing the service, I saw a lady in the church. I didn't see who it was. I saw that she had a standard bank checkbook. And I know that we, majority of people, we don't use checkbooks anymore. And I saw her write out a check for something. I saw the date that she filled in. 
and I saw the amount that she wrote. I saw it. I saw her sitting down at the table. I saw it was Standard Bank. I saw the date. I saw the amount she wrote out. But that wasn't the thing. This was the thing. That she wrote out the check, she tore it out, and she put it with the invoice or whatever it was, the statement, and, and was going to post it. But when she finished writing the check, she closed it, and I clearly remember it was a black leather checkbook wallet that closed like this. And on the front, embossed into the leather, I saw the Standard Bank logo. That was all incidental to the point of the message. And the message was this. As she closed the checkbook, I heard her say, oh well, that's the last of the money for the rest of the month. And I said, Lord, why do I do this? He said, you tell her it's not the end of the money for the rest of the month. So I'm telling you, as a prophet, because I just heard God's voice, as I stand and closed, I heard a very similar situation. And this time, probably it was an EFT or a payment made. And when you paid it, it kind of empties the bank account. And in your heart, it was like, well, that's, that's the end of the money for the rest of this month. As your shepherd, under that shepherd, I'm telling you this morning, whoever said that, whoever said that, that is not the end of your money for the rest of the month. Put your hand up, anybody who identifies with that very quickly. Number one, anybody else? Number two. Three, four, five. I was looking at you all along when I was saying that because it was like you, I heard you say it. Five, six people here, six people, seven people. Can you see how God's voice works? And so I want to tell you all, I want to tell you there's a God who cares and there's a God who provides. You've got seed in the ground and a harvest is going to come in for you. Amen. I want those who've raised hands, just raise your hands quickly. Just raise your hands. Keep, put them up nice and high. Nice and high. Marius is going to just come and give you some notes or a note or whatever. And he's just going to bless you. And this is my way of sowing in to sow faith to you. And sow a breakthrough seed to you to tell you that God's provision will follow you. Is that okay? Amen. God's provision will follow you. God's provision will follow you. When you come to the end of the month, I want you to hear me. When you come to the end of the month, that you're going to have money left over going into the next month. You're going to have money left over. I'm going to just keep saying it because you're going to have money left over going into the next month. Is that all right? The seed that I'm giving you is breakthrough seed. It's breakthrough seed. Let me tell you how breakthrough seed works. When somebody sows something to you and it breaks you through, into a higher place of faith and a higher place of God's provision and God's blessing. Some years ago, and I'm finishing with this, I was really trusting God for a Volvo XC90. I really wanted a Volvo XC90. And on the side of the highway was a big board with the new XC90 on it. Every time I drove past, I would say it out loud to myself, I'm going to drive a Volvo XC90. God's going to give me a Volvo XC90. And I would confess it and speak it. And times, many times I was on my own and whatever. Until one day a couple called me for coffee 
And we sat down, had coffee, and chatted a short while. And they said, well, actually, we've got to go. But um, we just wanted to have coffee with you and give you this. And they slid a key over to me. And they took the hand off, and on it was Volvo. And it was an XC90. Amen. And so that gift broke Bev and I through. And honestly, we're living in a higher place of faith and breakthrough now than then. That gift broke us through. And um, we had to lift our faith to maintain the vehicle, you know, to put petrol in the vehicle, you know, 800 rand and 420 Ks, you know, and I, I didn't realize, you know, sometimes when Jesus gives you what you want, you change your mind. Okay, I, I want a diesel car now. Jesus, what a blessing. <laughs> but I had to lift my faith, but it broke us through to a place. It broke us through. That is break through seed. Listen to me. There will be money left over at the end of the month. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I know it does happen. I know God is going to do it. There's going to be money over at the end of the month. So that's, I've just demonstrated an association word. Let's stand together. Father, we just want to thank you for your goodness in Jesus' name. Father, I want to thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for the wisdom in your word. And Father, we want to just take time out. We want to just invest. Just for 30 seconds, would you just lift your hands and would you get quiet? Come on, this is your time. This is your time to listen to and to hear the voice of God. Quieten your heart. Quieten the voices, the storm, the anxieties. Quieten yourself. Just get quiet. Just get quiet. And I don't have to tell you what situations are clamoring for your attention or clamoring for a resolution, things that need to be implemented, changed, done. But one thing I do know is that God's word, God's voice always brings a breakthrough, always brings a change. Many times in my life when I've heard God, it's changed situations. And if it didn't change the situation, it changed me to cope. Now you may or may not hear, you may sense, you know, God might just call a verse to your mind. Just call it up from your heart where you've invested it, where you buried it when you were reading and studying and meditating. Just allow Him to illumine a word. And if you don't, it doesn't matter. Just learn how to practice being still and hearing God. So, Father, I want to thank you that you know your sheep. You know them intimately. You know them by name. But, Lord, I want to thank you that these sheep here know you. And they know your voice. They know your leading. The voice of a stranger they do not know. They don't know the voice of the devil. They don't know the voice of the accuser. They don't know the illegitimate voice of strangers, of false shepherds. 
They don't know the voice of things that come to plunder, come to take advantage, come to make them prisoners and captives. They don't know those voices, but they know your voice. They know your voice. They know the voice of the true shepherd. So Lord, I want to commit them to you, your people, your sheep. I commit them to you. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And God, may this be a week of hearing your voice. May it be a week of just coming back to that place of intimacy, that back to that place of stillness and quietness and getting quiet before God. Investing in hearing your voice. Father, I ask it in the name of Jesus. We all agreed and said, Amen.